January 25th, 2019, Texas. Cosplay fan Elizabeth Barraza, 29, is gunned down in cold blood in her driveway before sunrise while setting up for a garage sale. To this day, the killer, or their motive for murder, remains a mystery, despite the public having access to videos showing the ambush, the killer's car, the killer, and maybe their voice. Elizabeth's case should be solved and her killer may have fled the country. We don't know. $50,000 is now on offer for tips that lead to their apprehension. If you have information on the murder of Elizabeth Barraza, contact Crime Stoppers Houston today. Tipsters must contact Crime Stoppers Houston directly to remain anonymous and to be considered for a cash payment by calling 713-222-TIPS or by submitting an online tip at www.crime-stoppers.org. Their email is info at crimestoppers.org. Primary sources for this episode include Kendall Ray on YouTube, whokilledlizbarraza.com, ABC 13, Inside Edition, Medium, the Harris County Sheriff's Office and Fox Houston. Hi guys, welcome back to a special bonus episode of Unknown Passage, a podcast that tells the stories of those who have gone missing or have been murdered abroad, but this episode will be a little bit different. First off, I want to welcome new patron Jody. Thank you so much. And I also want to shout out a YouTube channel called Missing Persons Mysteries. Um, they are very, the guy has an awesome voice, so you should go subscribe anyway, but they did um, an, a video on people going missing in Honduras and they were lovely enough to shout out um, Unknown Passage at, as they used it as a source. Um, in particular, my recent interview with Jeff Dunsavage about the disappearance of his brother, Joe. Um, so thank you so much, guys. I sent them a note on YouTube as well that they responded to. I always love when people shout out other people's work that they're using. <laughs> so I hope you enjoyed the Sean and Dana multi-part series. It was a big one. It took it out of me a fair bit, especially that part four. Um, and I've actually already chosen the next big deep dive that we'll do. I actually read about it about a week ago randomly um, and have already ordered a book on it and dived so much into this case. Um, but it could be a while until I do that one, but just keeping you posted. So I already had the case lined up that I was going to do for this week. Um, and this is kind of a bonus episode you're getting because you haven't had one in a while from me. I just haven't had the time um, or the opportunity. But just this week, I was watching um, Kendall Ray on YouTube. So I don't much watch true crime anymore. Uh, the reason for that is just uh, a kind of burnt out by it um, on top of doing the podcast myself, which I don't really consider true crime. Um, a few elements of it are, but I still listen to True Crime Garage. Shout out to them. I never miss last podcast on the left. Um, there's a couple of others I'll listen to every few months, one or two episodes. I watch Stephanie Harlow on YouTube because her research is impeccable. Um, and I love that. I've given up a 
a lot of YouTubers. I rarely watch YouTube now. And sometimes I'll watch Kendall Ray, but I haven't for the last six months. Um, but I do still subscribe to her and I like the way she talks. I like her voice and, you know, she's just pretty down to earth and stuff. Um, so I do find often with true crime, it's the same stories over and over again that I've already heard and everyone's just kind of piggybacking off the next person and it kind of burns me out. Um, and so I'm always looking for something unique that captures my attention and brings awareness to particularly unsolved cases and ones that I don't know of and that I can really get my teeth into. So a couple of nights ago, late at night, I opened YouTube and I was looking at my subscriptions and kind of unsubscribing from different ones. And I saw Kendall had released a new episode about almost two weeks ago now. Um, and the tagline of it or the title she'd given it caught my attention. And that was um, murdered in her driveway by someone in a costume. So that immediately got my attention, but I did think it was a case of a woman whose name I'd, I can't think of off the top of my head. There's so many cases. She was murdered by someone dressed as a clown who came to her door with flowers from memory uh, a few years back. The details of it, I've, I don't know. You'd have to look that up, but I thought it would be that case. But anyway, I clicked in out of curiosity and I was hooked immediately on this case of Elizabeth Barraza. I couldn't believe I hadn't heard of it. Um, I It affected me so much that for like the last two days, I felt really edgy during and after watching it. Um, I got really jumpy during it in particular points that I will warn you about as we come up to them. Um, and then I woke up thinking about it. I, I tossed it over my head so much. Um, and it really got me thinking in particular because it reminded me a lot of the episode on El Kite that we did ages back, which is one of my all-time pet cases. If you haven't listened to that episode or you can't remember, he was the man who rented out his spare room um, and a very strange person turned up that we believe was kind of in a disguise, rented the room and seemingly just for the fun of it killed Al-Qaeda and then left. And that seems to be the reason that they rented it. It's the creepiest case ever. Um, and I have never come across one that creeped me out more than that until now. Um, it also reminded me, oh, this is case of another case um, up in Scotland. I, I, Alistair maybe, I can't think of it. There was a whole podcast series I watched, I listened to a couple of years ago about it, who answered the door and the person on his doorstep shot him. Um, and so cases like that always really interest me because it just seems like there should be an answer, but often the person has got away with it. Now, <clears throat> how does this tie into unknown passage? Well, in a way it doesn't, <clears throat> but in a way it does, um, because I have an audience, but Kendall Ray has 3.5 million subscribers. So her reach is way larger. Um, but the first thing that stood out to me was that very rarely will families or police ask that podcasters, YouTubers or armchair detectives look at this case. And in this case, her dad, Bob, has asked for people's help just to keep getting her name out there because she has... It's been over three years where this case should be solved and apparently this case went viral on TikTok last year. I don't know. I don't have TikTok and I don't plan to and I don't like people who cover things for three minutes just to get clicks. You know it annoys me but anything to keep their name out there is good but 
The reason I kind of thought about this case is the proximity of where Liz was murdered to the Mexico border. And I wondered maybe if the person could have fled even just for a time and that maybe people around them thought that was a strange thing to do, leave the country that way um, or just suddenly want to get out of town for a little bit um, and maybe this was abnormal for this particular person, we don't know. But I did the Al-Qaeda case and there's no real evidence that that person was an American as well. So I'm doing Elizabeth Braz's case. Um, and I've mainly crowdsourced a lot of thoughts and feelings about this. I've read thousands of comments online in the last two days about what people think about this case, what they hear on audio, what they see on video. And it's rare, but I don't normally put in links into my description boxes. I've realised why. It doesn't seem that they're hyperlinking and Anchor doesn't allow me to do that, unfortunately. I will talk you through it as we get to that point. But for this case, I'm making an exception and I've included the links to the videos that I want you to watch as we go through this. This will kind of be an interactive episode. Um, I will warn you as we get into them things to watch out for with them in particular, having kids around, having pets around, or just being like a jumpy person. What we do know about the person who murdered Elizabeth Barraza, who was 29 in cold blood in her driveway in January of 2019, is that this person doesn't give a fuck about Liz Barraza, did not, clearly. We have their voice on video in a way which we'll get to. We have this person on video in a way, which we'll get to. We have their truck on video, which we'll get to. Um, and we also know that Liz Barraza did not overtly have enemies. She was what John Douglas would describe as a low risk victim in every sense of the word. So it doesn't make sense to me why they haven't caught her killer by now. They should be behind bars and they should be rotting. They have zero leads at this moment, so they're turning it on to podcasters and YouTubers. And as someone who works in SEO, it is anything is good to get keep someone's name present on the internet, especially with how big true crime is at the moment. This person is a cold-blooded killer who gunned down a lovely young woman as she set up a simple garage sale in her front driveway early in the morning on her own. She loved her family, her husband, and her little dog, diesel and this case pissed me off and I just want to thank Kendall Ray for getting me fired up getting me pissed off um and for covering this because her reach will hopefully um pay dividends Liz was a massive nerd and many of us could relate to her although I can't relate to the things she nerds out about <laughs> um but she looked like a woman just a basic normal young woman that we all know so like her parents have asked for, I want to add Liz's name again to the internet to keep her name out there. She deserves it. Um, and it seems to me that besides her parents and her brother, I don't see a whole lot of people who were in her circle pushing for answers, which is something that concerns me. You will always be your parents' baby. But I question the absence of some of the voices in this story <clears throat> and the main figures in this story. For this episode, I have relied on main news publications in the Houston area as well as the parents' dedicated website that I want you to visit, which is whokilledlizbaraza.com. I've not relied on other podcasters, YouTubers, and definitely not on TikTokers, sorry. Um, I like to know where my sources are coming from. 
but the family's website is really great as it has timelines, information on Liz and everything you could need to dig into this case. And as I said again, the links and hopefully they hyperlink, but don't crack it at me if they don't. That's on Anchor, who I release my podcast through. There's links in the episode description for what I will want you to watch throughout this. I will ask you to pause and if you're comfortable with it, um, watch the things that I will list for you. And if you can't, because it's not hyperlinked in the episode description, I'll tell you how to get it very easily through YouTube. This case has some elements of the old kite case in the fact that it seems like a very random killing, but the creep factor is there in the sense that the person's wearing a costume, it seems. And in that case, it will probably remind you of the Missy Beavers case as well, which is something that I, I kind of, you know, on and off go back to and see if there's ever been any breakthroughs. And Missy Beavers was a mother who was killed Early in the morning, also in Texas, albeit in another part of Texas, setting up an early morning yoga class at like a, a church um, that she was running or boot camp class. Um, and someone broke in dressed as a police officer, which was a fake police officer's uniform. You can also watch the footage of that as well. Um, and I have a lot of thoughts on why people use costumes, what kinds of people use costumes. Um, and to me, it's just, you know, I'll start out strong as myself. It's a pussy move. If you're going to kill someone, look them in the fucking eye um, and don't be a pussy. Um, hiding behind a costume dressed as a police officer or a Star Wars, you know, character um, or even as an old man with a limp just seems lower, lower than the act of killing someone. Um, <clears throat> so with all that said at the start, I'm going to talk a little bit about who Liz was. So Elizabeth was born Elizabeth Marie Nelly. Now her surname is spelled N-U-E-L-L-E, but her parents have it on the website who killed com, and they've got it phonetically as well. And it's Nell dash E. So that's why I've said it like that. She was born on June 26, 1989 to her loving parents, Robert, who goes by Bob and Rosemary. They're just regular folk who unfortunately their lives have been turned upside down and this is what their life has become, advocating to get answers for their daughter's murder, like so many other people who have to do that or look for their kids as well. She had an older brother who she was close to, Robert Jr. Um, and she went by Liz, so that's what I'm going to call her for the remainder of this episode. Now, she was born in Illinois <clears throat> and she was always a Chicago Cubs fan. This is all from the family's website. Um, but by the time she was murdered at 29 years old, she was just six months short of her 30th birthday. She'd actually lived in a few states growing up before the family settled in Texas. She'd lived in Florida and Missouri after Illinois, and they finally settled in Texas. And at the time of her murder, her, her parents lived close by. She attended um, a university uh, in a place that I just can't, Nagadocious, is that Texas, um, for her first year. And then she transferred to Sam Houston State University in 2009 um, to continue on her degree. Um, and there she met a young man called Sergio Barraza and they very quickly fell in love. This university is in Huntsville, Texas, which from memory has like a federal prison. I just know that name <clears throat> in relation to something maybe bad. <laughs> um, 
So Liz and Sergio had tons in common and soon they fell in love. And if you look at pictures of them, they just kind of look like people who should be together. You know, they make sense together. Um, Sergio's kind of like a big guy. Uh, his family's clearly from Latin America, even though his surname Barraza, which I'll refer to Liz as Liz Barraza because it's what she is known as in the media. Um, that sounds more Italian, but um, I saw his mum interviewed and his mum, um, maybe maybe Mexican or um, somewhere in Latin America or Central America or Mexico. Um, I'm not entirely sure, but um, they had tons in common. He's, he's a big guy, kind of looks like he would have been like a really good opera singer, I reckon. Um, and, you know, they soon fell in love. And while they were still in university, they adopted their little uh, dachshund. Uh, and I absolutely love that breed of dog. They're adorable. And they called him Diesel. And he features heavily in photos of the couple. And just alone with Liz, she loved him. They didn't have any children. Um, and I don't really care about that because a lot of people don't. Liz graduated from the Sam Houston State University in 2012 with a bachelor's degree in psychology. And at 24 years old in 2014, she married Sergio. Um, everything seemed like it was on the up and perfect. But just short of five years later, uh, Liz would be murdered. In April 2016, Liz and Sergio purchased a really lovely home in, and it, it's kind of a, um, it's in the Houston greater area of Texas, in, in southeastern Texas. Um, it's called Tomball. It's considered like a city. And they, this house is really nice. And um, I always think of America in relation to they've always got really immaculate lawns in these parts of the world and big lawns, <clears throat> neat houses. That's all my mum could talk about when she went to America for the first time like 10 years ago. I'm yet to go, but she's like, the, the lawns for this, they were you should have seen people's lawns um, in these parts. You know, she was in Ohio, so people have more space. But this home is in the Princeton Place subdivision um, in Tomball, Texas. And it's just a really nice neighbourhood. You can kind of tell just from the neighbours. Um, they seem like kind of either families or elderly people. Elderly neighbours always have their eyes and ears on shit and are in people's business. That can be horrific, as I've experienced, but they, it can also be really good because the woman who cracked the John List case when he was on the run for like two decades for killing his family, she was a nosy um, older woman. So we've got to be grateful for them. A lot of them... Um, it's less common in Australia, but I know in the States, uh, especially, you know, in Texas and places like that, I know Houston has uh, a rising crime rate. And I don't know if, if it's related to that, I'm not sure, but a lot of them just naturally all seem to have those ring doorbell cameras or security cameras that face the street. Um, I find a lot of people are doing that more and more, uh, even in Australia. But they also had good ears on them, which is good, these neighbours. Um, but that didn't mean that Liz and Sergio were lax on security. They had a security system and um, that also included a ring doorbell camera, which will come into play uh, in this case. Now, Tomball is a town in Harris County, Texas. Uh, around 10,000 people live here. It looks really nice. You can buy bigger properties, acreages. I watched like an, a guy touring the area. Um, it falls within, as I said, the Houston metro area. And Houston, obviously, is in Texas. It's in southeastern Texas. 
Tombol is about 50 miles from the Gulf Coast and it's over on the Louisiana border side of Texas. It's it's not kind of uh, on the side that's closer to, uh, you know, the Mexico border. But the nearest Mexico border I could gauge from looking at a map is actually Matamoros, which I'm pretty sure is where the Mark Kilroy case happened, which we've covered on a previous case or one of the cases that we've covered were in Matamoros and that's about five hours away from Tombol. Now at this stage in their marriage as I said Liz and Sergio didn't have children. Who cares? A lot of people seem to grill couples uh, who don't have kids immediately. I just saw yesterday a couple in India are suing their son because he didn't have a kid with his wife. Um it's just fucks like run, run away from your parents, leave them behind, forget it. Um, but at this stage, um, they didn't have children. I don't know if they plan to, but it's still early on in their lives and they're still young people. My oldest and closest friend um, is married for like six, seven years, hates kids, never wants to have them, um, each to their own, who cares. A little about Liz that is important though. Liz's job day-to-day was a full-time job as a data reporter at a company called Rosen Group. Uh, I believe they're in Houston. She seemed to have her own car because Sergio had a job. He's what we'd call in Australia a tradie or a tradesman. Um, He installed flooring and he worked for his dad, Oscar Barraza, who ran the company. And it seemed that he drove a panel van for work. Now, I believe a source I used from Houston said panel van. I don't know if it was or if that's just my brain writing it down because that's what we just call them in Australia, so a panel van. I don't know about Liz's ethnicity, but as I said, uh, Sergio's parents are clearly immigrants um, from their accents, at least his mum, who I saw interviewed. Also important to note is that Liz was a self-professed geek but she was interested in things that um I'm not. <laughs> uh this is I'm a I'm a geek too for different kinds of things and a lot of embarrassing things. Um but her interest lay in what a lot of people's do, which is uh cosplay, Star Wars, uh Comic-Con type stuff, and Harry Potter. She was obsessed. Now I will say from the outset, if I offend any Star Wars fans, I'm sorry during this. Um, I've seen one Star Wars movie in my life. I've seen uh, the one with Hayden Christensen, the newer ones. I saw one scene from The Empire Strikes Back. I cannot stand Star Wars and I don't understand the fuss um, other than a young Harrison Ford. But Harry Potter, I've read them all. I've watched them all. Um, They filmed a lot of it in Oxford where I lived. So I've seen all the main places. I've been to Edinburgh where all the sites uh, where JK Rowling got her inspiration from. But I would not say that I nerd out over Harry Potter. Uh, But I have friends who do. I understand. Um, Yeah, I do understand. (laughs) So... Her dad, Bob, uh, told people about his daughter, quote, one of the things that really made her stand out was that she didn't carry a pistol in her holster. She carried a little baby Ewok stuffed animal in her holster so that people would see it, unquote. And I laughed out loud when I read that because she's in Texas, people are armed, uh, 
I have no issue with that. Um, I think people should have a right to that. Uh, and I love that all the cops have st- the big Stetsons on. I just love that real authentic kind of Texas feel seeing that, um, seeing them interviewed and properly done up, you know, uh, with their little pins on their ties and the Stetsons and that. But I love that she's like, I'm not, I'll carry this in my holster and throw people off. Liz's best friend, Marcy, uh, told People Magazine, quote, she was extremely thoughtful and she was very, very giving. She was a true friend to a lot of people. I know a lot of people that are so willing to give up their time. I don't know a lot of people that are so willing to give up their time and themselves, unquote. Now, on top of that, Liz loved going to uh, Ren Fairs and she would make she would wear handmade costumes that she wore. This stuff is really time consuming and complicated, making costumes like this, particularly for the cosplay scene. Uh, so shout out to her. She must have been a really creative person. Now, as I said, Liz is a low risk victim in the sense that she had a routine, a stable job. She didn't live on the fringes of society or work in a dangerous situation or live in a dangerous neighbourhood in a dangerous situation. Her marriage was, by all accounts, very happy and loving and supportive. They had tons in common, which I think is the firmest basis you can have for a relationship. Um, Her family was solid um, and her interests didn't exactly put her in the line of danger, but some people would beg to differ, which I'll get into later. Life seemed pretty routine and simple uh, for Liz. Now, one part of Liz's life that may seem innocuous or may not, as I've come to realise through my own research and by thankfully the nerd squadron that is the ex-members of the 501st Legion on YouTube leaving comments on Kendall's video and on other videos, um, is that both Liz and Sergio were both members of what's called the 501st Legion, Star Garrison, and within the South Texas Squadron. Now, this is when normally my brain, I just uh, glaze over my mum used to say when I was growing up, you can tell when you're not interested in something because your eyes literally glaze over. Um, Maybe that was a warning sign that I had a degenerative eye condition, I'm not sure. But according to her parents' website that they've set up, whokilledlizbaraza.com, which I will keep pushing, Liz had two approved costumes. One of them was a Jawa, I know what that is. One was a Biker Scout And her TKID, which I have no idea what it was and I couldn't find the information online, but it's related to her, I'm guessing it's like her team member ID number, was TB93474. Now, this required me to dive a little bit into what the hell the 501st Legion is. Um, And at the time of her death, Liz was on the command staff as an event coordinator for the South Texas squad. Now, You're probably wondering if you don't know what this is and you've never heard of it, that she's in some sort of law enforcement, Um, but that's not the case. This is a volunteer organisation that nerds out massively over Star Wars. (laughs) So it's named after something to do with Darth Vader. I'm not entirely sure, Um, but this required me to dive into researching what this is. And as I've said, it's not my jam, so I'm sorry if it sounds... uh, 
like I don't know what I'm talking about because this stuff seems really detailed um, and the process to join and stuff, it's like getting a job but a really high-end job with like security clearance. So according to 501st.com, their official website's mission statement, quote, the Legion is an all-volunteer organisation formed for the express purpose of bringing together costume enthusiasts under a collective identity within which to operate. The Legion seeks to promote interest in Star Wars through the building and wearing of quality costumes and to facilitate the use of these costumes for Star Wars related events as well as contributions to the local community through costume charity and volunteer work, unquote. Now, one side of this is really good. They go to like local hospitals and they do events that you can book them for and they dress up in these costumes that they've actually made and they're amazing. Um, and they go and see sick kids in costume in hospitals and things like that. And Liz, that was like part of her life. She loved doing it. But looking at their website for a volunteer organisation that's meant to be fun at its core, this shit seems really serious to me. Like I, if I was applying for a, jo- a paid job with them, I'd probably be really deterred. So they have like a charter and a really detailed website, uh, heaps of details about the events that they do and how to book them. And then all the worldwide <clears throat> kind of the officers across the world and the officers across the world um, and all their different rankings. And then the application process to join the 501st Legion, I looked at it and it was like, you have to have two costumes, which I presume is what the parents meant by her approved costumes. And you have to have made them yourself. They have to be like custom. You have to take photos of yourself that are like fucking professional, send them in along with this massive application form. Um, They take it really seriously, which, you know, is fine. But to me, it seems like the fun just gets sucked out of things that begin as fun. Um, So the star, I've got, I'm going to start, I'm going to get like death threats from star people from the 501st. So the Star Garrison, which Liz was within, has their own website, which is stargarrison.com, which I also looked at. And I'll read to you their about section. Star Garrison represents Texas within the 501st Legion. The 501st Legion, a.k.a. Vader's Fist, is a worldwide Star Wars fan club celebrating the Star Wars universe using costumes and props in particular those of the Stormtrooper characters, Imperial forces and other various bad guy characters. The Legion is a volunteer club formed for the express purpose of bringing together costume enthusiasts and giving them a collective identity within which to operate. And then they pretty much just take off uh, the rest of what the 501st said in their mission statement. Then they end with, Contact us if you're interested in joining the Empire or would like for us to appear at your event. Now, I looked at their social media for the South Texas squad. They have quite a prolific social media presence. And I see that they do uh, quite a lot of charity events. There's a lot of kind of upcoming events that they planned for, comic book days, things like that. But just an observation, um, because this is the South Texas squad who just three years ago, their events coordinator was murdered. For a team that had someone so central to their organisation murdered such a relatively short time ago, 
by someone who seemingly could have been in a Star Wars costume. Uh, they haven't used their social media in any capacity to raise money for Liz's case or to keep awareness up. And this uh, annoyed me uh, and kind of concerned me. Now, I'm not one to tell you how to manage your social media, but part of my actual day job is managing social media. And I will say uh, that to maintain like a human element <laughs> uh, that you care about the people who join your organisation, um, I think that would be kind of a good move. It doesn't take much to just put up a post and write a few words. Uh, it's not going to break anyone's neck to do that. As an event coordinator, I presume Liz was tasked with booking people for these appearances. Uh, and as I said, one thing that Liz herself really loved about this job was that, that she would visit kids in hospitals in these, you know, costumes, including being a Jawa and things like this. Now, this group seems innocuous, I guess, on the outset, but for many, many, many comments I read, and I will read to you a collection of them that I have saved across social media and YouTube, many people who have had involvement in the 501st describe much of it as horrific, toxic, nasty people, um, a lot of people, which you're going to get in any organisation, not all of them are, um, who are ultra competitive and there's a lot of rivalry. There's a lot of underhand shit going on um, like there is in any of these organisations. Uh, you always find that when there's no pay packet and you're just doing things from the goodness of your heart, those are the organisations I find that really take the piss when it comes to um, what they expect of you and how they treat you. Uh, but when you're doing it for free for the benefit of the community and for the love of Star Wars, that doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun, uh, but I will get into all of that more later. Now, Liz was also known to have garage sales occasionally to make a bit of extra cash selling, you know, belongings and we all accrue heaps of stuff uh, and normally she planned them well ahead of time. She would advertise them online in local community groups, etc., but this particular one that she was setting up when she was murdered was not planned ahead. So essentially Liz and Sergio were coming up on their fifth wedding anniversary. So they had booked a trip. I don't know how long it was for, but I think probably a week. They were heading over to Orlando, Florida to go to, you guessed it, Universal Studios and Disney World. Uh, as she probably wanted to see, you know, Harry Potter Ville or whatever it is that's at Disney World Florida um, because she had these specific like custom made Harry Potter shoes uh, with like I don't know just looking at them it's like that Marauders map or whatever someone's going to freak out and say it's not um, so they were leaving the coming Sunday which was January 27th 2019 and then we're going to spend their wedding anniversary away and their wedding anniversary was February 2nd 2019 and they that was their fifth wedding anniversary. Liz was super organised and she was packed days in advance because she was so excited to go on this, you know, hard-earned trip. And it's not cheap to go to a place like that. It is so expensive just for the day. Um, insane. Like, just a bottle of water, what they charge. It's extravagant. That happens all over the world. They can hike up prices at these places because they know that you have to pay it, especially for food and things like that. So just four days before Liz 
was due to leave uh, with Sergio for this trip, she decided to have a last minute garage sale to raise a little bit of extra money for souvenirs that she would buy while she was away. And the garage sale was going to take place on the Friday, two days before they left. Some people think that this is weird, that it was like this last minute thing. I don't at all. As I said, these trips are really expensive to like Disney World and Disneyland um, and souvenirs and just the whole thing isn't cheap. And if you can make a little bit of extra, you know, poo change, as we used to call it, uh, to take along with you, why not? Especially if you've got some shit to get rid of. Uh, so she only came up with the idea the day before and her and Sergio had not advertised it on social media at all. And this is according to the family's website. Kendall Ray wasn't sure if they'd advertised a bit on the family's website. It says, other than a few signs in the local neighbourhood that they'd put up on street signs and, you know, nailed or sticky taped up. It was not advertised on social media within their friends and family. But the only people within their friends and family who knew were like them the parents and a couple of friends like that they'd mentioned it to. That was it. So the day before or the night before they were due to have the garage sale, January 24th, 2019, Liz and Sergio went around the local neighbourhood putting signs up to advertise next morning garage sale. Now, I know a lot about garage sales because my mother was the queen of the garage sale. I was actually stoked to see that Americans called them garage sales because I didn't know if that was just an Australian thing that they called them. We also have car boot sales as well, where you sell things out of like the trunk of your car. So my mum was the queen of going to garage sales and holding garage sales. She also had market stalls at local markets because she was always going to op shops or charity shops buying shit she never even used and then she would need to offload it and our garage was just full of junk. Um, so mum never had like a shortage of stuff to sell and if she made $300 on a Saturday morning she considered that you know good because we didn't have a whole lot of money growing up and my mum it was she was a single mum. But it's early mornings you get up at the crack of dawn and you generally set up before the sun even comes up and it gets real cold um, in winter. Now garage sales you know start very early you're usually setting up around 5 30 or 6 in the morning. Back in the day when I was living at home you know as a teenager or a kid uh, and my mum would have these garage sales we'd go around the night before or two days before and put as Sergio and Liz did, we'd sticky tape, you know, signs that my mum had put on cardboard onto street signs and we'd put balloons up with it so people would see it. And that's how people generally back in the day when we had dial-up internet and Facebook didn't exist, how you advertised your garage sale. It just, you had to drive past it. If it was going to be a big one, mum would put a, uh, a kind of an ad in the local paper, like two lines, just the address and stuff. Now, I saw a sign like two days ago on a power pole local to me advertising a garage sale and I kind of stopped and looked at it because it felt really retro because you just never see that anymore. People do all their advertising online. So anyway, in terms of safety of garage sales, the reason that I'm saying this is because I saw quite a number of YouTube comments on Kendall Ray's video talking about weird experiences they'd had running garage sales. And I, growing up, always didn't like the thought of my mum being alone, having a garage sale, because 
one place we lived, they had to walk into our backyard like that because the garage was in the backyard. So they'd walk in off the side gate. Um, and so I always like kind of was like if I wasn't around or laying in bed inside, at least I'm close by, um, one of my brothers would be around or, you know, uh, my mum's partner at the time just to make sure, you know, because my mum, even the recent one that she had, she's like a, she's like almost 70 years old. She had one before COVID and as she lives a few hours away, um, I couldn't go up there. So I said to her, I was just like a bit worried and she said, oh, you're delusional. She can take care of herself. But when she's setting up out the front, it's usually still dark. They have to walk up her driveway into her carport, uh, which is kind of covered. Uh, it's super early morning. And the thing that you get with garage sales, which most of you have probably experienced if you've hosted one, is that people are really, uh, there's no common courtesy and there's no common sense when it comes to a lot of people. If you have a garage sale that starts at 7am, you're going to have people coming at 6am and thinking that it's okay to knock on your door and ask. So there was one girl who on the YouTube for Kendall Ray wrote that she advertised a garage sale and she had people turning up three days early. These are like people who want the bargains, you know, they don't even know what you're offering, but they want to be the first ones in to like clear it out. And this is important because as we get into uh, Liz's case, maybe something that's heard on the audio of that could point to the fact that somebody wanted to know if she was selling yet. That's the whole thing. So basically the last one my mum ran, it, she said it's the last one I'll ever run because she's finally stopped buying shit that she then needs to sell off. But also she had a guy turn up like an hour early walk up behind her in the dark. Some men just have no concept of space. A lot of women, when you're walking in the dark, men don't realise how close they are behind you walking. And that always makes me really edgy. I like men, I respect them, I don't have issues with them. Um, but some of them just don't have any common sense. So it can be scary for women. And this girl had a guy turn up three days early and knock on her door asking if he could go through her shit early. And when she said no, she said that he completely abused her. And my mum did the same thing on the last garage sale she had. She said to the guy, which maybe Liz said this as well, uh, we don't start until 7.30. That's on the signs and it's in the local paper. I've advertised it, which you've seen. And he lost it at her and left. Um, and that's just, it's just fucking ridiculous. Uh, so thankfully, you know, he pissed off. But I just want to say you get those people at these things, but it's usually not in a costume if that's what you think happened in this case. So Liz planned to sell some knickknacks, but one of the primary things she was going to sell, according to Kendall Ray, was a collector's stormtrooper helmet. Now, Kendall Ray says this, and I tried to find that info elsewhere, but I couldn't, so I'll just take her word on it. There's pictures of Liz holding it. It seems like a strange thing to want to get rid of because it's like a collectible and she's so into this kind of stuff. So I don't know why she was selling it and I don't know what the money she was trying to get for it. But also one girl wrote on the YouTube of Kendall uh, something that made sense to me. She wrote, this is really weird. Why would you sell this at a garage sale? You'd get way better money selling it online to a specific collector who's searching online for Star Wars memorabilia than at a garage sale where people are always trying to lowball you and you end up selling things for like, you know, 
$3. And that's true. It seems like a strange thing, but okay. So the garage sale was held on Liz's front driveway right out in the open. There's no carport over the top, nothing like that. So it's very early morning, but luckily old people get up. So I think the the older neighbours were kind of up and about making coffee uh, in their own houses, but the sun hasn't come up yet. So that's going to bring us to Liz's murder. And this is when I'm going to start to ask you to watch things um, as we go. So Liz did initially have work that Friday, but she actually called out sick of the job uh, to run this last minute garage sale, which I thought was kind of weird. Uh, You would just hope that your boss didn't get wind of the fact you weren't off for whatever reason. Maybe she said she was taking a mental health day. I I don't know, but, um, or maybe she had a flexible kind of work environment where you could take like flexi days and things. I don't know, but it seems weird on the last day before you go on holidays to call out like that, especially when there's no valid reason for it, at least to me. Uh, but by all accounts, she called out of her job. Now, I was kind of thinking maybe that's why she didn't advertise it online so it didn't get back to her boss. Uh, you know, Liz isn't sick. I just drove past her house and she's out the front having a garage sale. According to the family's detailed timeline on their website, that morning, Friday, January 25th, 2019, Liz was up super early, as is the case when you have a garage sale. She went to Starbucks uh, for like 10 minutes. It must have been around the corner. She picked up a quick coffee to have while she set up the garage sale. Now, <clears throat> I kind of from the videos that I can we can see, which you'll watch in a minute, hopefully, you know, it's probably a few tables and things like that, uh, fold-out tables that she was putting things on as well as the lawn. So Sergio was up early and he helped Liz set up for roughly half an hour from around 6.15 till quarter to seven before he had to leave for work in his white panel van because, remember, he's a tradesman and they start really early. So he was off to his flooring job with his dad. <clears throat> now, it's still dark at this time. Remember, it's winter. Winter on par in Houston, looking up the temperatures isn't particularly cold. It's very much on par with Melbourne. It says the average high is like 16 degrees Celsius. So I looked up what time sunrise is in Houston in January to get an idea of how much longer Liz had after Sergio left until the sun came up because it's still dark and the street lights are still on. And you can see that in the neighbor's camera footage. So it said it was around 7.10 for 7.10 a.m. for most of January before the sun comes up. In this case, we have quite a few CCTV cameras to rely on. Sergio leaves for work and this is caught on CCTV at 6.48 a.m. And it's around this time that a black Nissan Frontier Pro 4X, <clears throat> uh, a couple of people describe it in another way, um, it's at least a year 2013. This, ca- this car is seen on CCTV basically parked around the corner and this is from later on when the cops would do an investigation, gather people CCTV, they're able to see this car. Now, basically when Sergio leaves for work at 6.48am, the Nissan Frontier is pulling into an area just around the corner from Sergio and Liz's house. Um, you can trace all this and you're welcome to. 
But Liz and Sergio live on Cedar Walk Drive <clears throat> um, in this kind of Princeton uh, subdivision, I guess. The Nissan Frontier arrives and pulls into Princeton Place Drive and then they drive onto the parking lot of a local school which is called Goddard School and it's around the corner from Liz and Sergio's house. Now, to me, it seems that this person knew that Sergio left for work every day and was waiting to make sure that he drove past before they would then um, do what they were going to do. So Sergio leaves at 6.48 and also at 6.48, which says to me that they saw him drive past and leave. The Nissan Frontier leaves the parking lot of the Goddard School and they move to a different street and kind of conceal themselves closer. Now, after about four minutes, so Sergio's been gone for four minutes and it's now 6.52 a.m., uh, this truck leaves this particular spot and they make their move towards Liz and Sergio's house. Liz is casually in her drive, just setting things out. You can see this on the neighbor's CCTV or ring doorbell camera that's facing the street. You can see Liz in the top corner and you see the car basically pass slowly up Liz's street, Cedar Walk Drive, very slowly, basically driving past. Liz doesn't even look up, you know, it's traffic at this time on a Friday. You're probably used to it. They then go up past Liz like they've seen that she's there. They turn around and basically do a three-point turn on the street, turn around and 30 seconds later they're back on this CCTV footage and they park on the street out of camera shot of this person's ring doorbell unfortunately uh, behind Liz's own car according to most sources. You can see the headlights in the dark passing over the whole street and even though it's dark because of the street lights still being on and Liz's house lights being on at the front and the headlights we kind of get illumination, thankfully, um, but unfortunately we don't have the car's license plate, which I'll get into, um, and you can just see the figure in the top of the screen talking to Liz. A figure then exits the car, and according to the family's website, the car is left running. I don't know how they know that, but it can only be from the neighbours who heard this whole thing happen, and I've got a few questions about that, not directed at the neighbours, just uh, some weird things that we'll get into. Out of the truck steps an individual who is in an, what appears to be a costume. Now, some people say it looks like, like a dressing gown or a bathrobe, which I actually don't think it is. Some One person, you see serious ridiculousness in comments where people need to just rein it in a little bit. One of them is that this Liz was killed for her organs and I just like... Is just ridiculous. Like, can we rein it in a little bit? But in this instance, somebody wrote, oh, it's probably someone in a bathrobe who drove there, rolled out of bed, drove there, and then, you know, went home and got back into bed. It's like, okay. Um, even if they were wearing a bathrobe, it's not just because they rolled out of bed, it's because they served a purpose. And that is maybe the tie around the middle was the holster for the gun. That's my theory. So, they appear to be wearing what is knee-high white boots, a a long coat or robe-type garment, which kind of looks white. It could be a trench coat as well. And 
possibly a wig. Now, I've linked the footage. This is what I'm calling footage one in the description of this episode. If it is not hyperlinked, I'm sorry, that's on Anchor. All you have to do is go to YouTube and type in Liz Barraza CCTV and you'll be able to find it. There's two. Footage two is from Liz's ring doorbell camera. This one I want you to watch just to start off is her neighbour who lives diagonally opposite her, what that picked up. And it's the one with you can see Liz and the person in the top of the screen in the distance. Now I'll get into my thoughts about what I see in that later. But basically, in short, what we see is the person walks up to Liz. There is an interaction of between six and eight seconds You then actually see three shots going off, even though there's no audio on footage one. You see three shots go off in the dark. You know, the the gun going off light, you know, illuminates and you can see it. And it's bang, bang, bang. And then these hit Liz in the upper body. Liz falls to the ground. The person pauses for two seconds as they kind of stand over her and look at her. They then raise the gun and they shoot her once more in the head and you see that one too. And this is pretty much the kill shot to make sure she's dead. Now, there's a few things I see on that um, in terms of how the person walks. We don't even know what gender they are. I have some thoughts on that. How the person holds the gun is interesting to me. It's almost like someone who's not um, proficient with guns, I guess. It's how I would hold a gun, but I know that you aren't supposed to. You have to have a strong grip on it. Um, this person, it's just kind of very loose in their hand, uh, like you kind of see in a movie. <laughs> um, so that's one thing I see. The way the person walks up to uh, Liz could be an indicator of uh, their gender, but I'm not entirely sure, but we'll get into all that later. The murderer then tra- runs back to their car. They kind of stride away and then start running. Then they're out of the vision of the camera, the neighbor's camera, We see the car start up from its headlights. Um, Basically, it was on the whole time. This person didn't plan on sticking around. This person doesn't look at any of the stuff at the garage sale, by the way. Um, They don't take anything. Liz had a thing of change there that you need to run a garage sale that had like $100 in it. They don't even look at it. They're there to kill her, to have some sort of short confrontation and to kill her. Now, a couple of minutes later... You see the driver drive back, uh, so they've basically done another three-point turn and they're coming back and they slow down as they go past the scene. Now, a lot of people think this is because it was a hitman and they were taking a photo of what they'd done or they something like that. I, pers- <clears throat> I personally think they were just making sure she wasn't moving on the ground and then they take off. Neighbour Candy Ellis, who's an older woman, she heard the gunshots and she said, quote, three gunshots, rapid fire, then wait a second or two, and then another gunshot, unquote. And she called 911. And a few other neighbours who were up at the time and hear it because it's so startling and you you hear it on footage too. And in the, in the cold winter morning when it's so quiet it is so startling the sound I will warn you if you're going to watch it I'll give you a warning in a bit other neighbors start calling 911 one had seen the truck drive off another saw Liz laying in her driveway Um, one said she'd witnessed it on her home security camera 
Police said later that through ballistics testing, the gun was a revolver. Police and ambulances arrived quickly thanks to the neighbours acting really fast. Um, in fact, one neighbour is still on the phone when the police and ambulances arrive. Liz is ultimately life flighted um, 25 minutes after she was shot four times to a major Houston trauma hospital. And unbelievably, she's actually still alive at this point, albeit probably brain dead. The police did a great job. They secured the scene immediately. Um, by 7.19am, there's four constables who have been able to gain access to the house to secure the home to make sure no one is in it. Basically, by them accessing the house, they set off a home security system that Liz and Sergio had set up, which instantly, you know, uh, triggers if a door is open when it's not supposed to. Now, I don't have one of these, but obviously this goes to emergency contacts. You can have listed on it. And I believe that Sergio was one of them. He must have been, um, as well as Liz's parents. Um, so she had the door inside the garage unlocked for her safety as well as a precaution. So this is how they were able to gain access. So if you're wondering about the truck at this stage, later on the police will be able to track it across various areas of this neighbourhood, but they eventually lose track of it on different people's CCTV in an area that doesn't have camera coverage. Liz's parents, first thing in the morning, like, you know, 7.20 in the morning, they're, they're notified by the alarm company that Liz's alarm has been triggered. Um, and the alarm company, obviously, I am not doing an ad for Simply Safe, but I've heard the ads so many times on podcasts. I know they offer this. Um, the alarm company calls you to make sure that it wasn't an accident or something like that, but they couldn't reach anyone in the house. So they call the emergency contacts as well as the authorities. Um, so they contact Liz's parents and they immediately leave for Liz's home, which is very close. They actually arrive at 7.37 and Liz has just been light flighted. Um, and imagine being told... Your daughter was shot four times. She's been life flighted and she's just setting up a garage sale. I mean, what would you even think? By 7.51am, Sergio, who left about 63 minutes before, according to my calculations, Sergio has arrived back at the house and law enforcement detains him for questioning. Now, the family website, other than that, on the timeline doesn't go into how Sergio knows to come back, but I can only presume that he was contacted by the security company. That would have to be the case. And I can't tell you where the little doggy is at this time. He's, I think he was in the house, uh, but I'm sure he remained safe. One of the funny things is, or not funny, but on footage too that we'll talk about, I don't hear a dog barking, so I just wonder where he was. So Liz was placed in the ICU and she had four police guarding her room at all times because you just don't know who's capable of this and they're still out there. Liz was ultimately pronounced brain dead uh, the next day at 1.40pm, Saturday, January 26, 2019. They kept her on mechanical ventilation because Liz was a registered organ donor. You have to wait to get all the paperwork done to see if they are in fact brain dead and to go through the process of what organs and 
are viable um, and you have to wait for the transplant team to arrive to kind of go through all of that and obviously they're in demand so they actually had to keep her on um, mechanical ventilation until January 29th when she should have been going on her holiday to Disneyland or Disney World and her family writes on the family website basically that they wheeled her away on the gurney um, and they held her hand until she was in the lift in the elevator with the transplant team and she was gone. Luckily, because she was a registered organ donor, uh, Liz's corneas, liver, heart and kidneys were all viable, um, which is unbelievable with that amount of trauma of four gunshots. Um, her organ recipients had spent a total the four of them, of over 8,000 days on transplant waiting lists, which we've talked about with Victor Chang on that episode. And she ended up saving four lives. Now, please don't be one of the dumbasses like the girl I saw on YouTube who commented saying that someone who wanted an organ had her killed so that she would then go to a hospital and that person would get that organ. The naivety of even commenting that astounds me. Do you understand, I'm sure most of you do, but this girl doesn't, the process of organ donation and how bureaucratic it is and how peop- it goes according to people who have been on lists and how much they need it. Uh, it's not like, you know, an organ-like an concentration camp uh, <laughs> where they're taking out live fucking organs from people. Um, it's just ludicrous. You don't get first dibs on organs. And it just made me really mad. It just rein it in. So trawling through camera footage of the days before, police were able to spot the same black truck the day before Liz's shooting on footage, parked around the corner, seemingly casing out the neighbourhood and Liz's home. Um, again, it's a dark coloured 2013 or newer Nissan Frontier Pro 4X crew cab. In Australia, we'd call it a ute, um, but in America, they call them trucks. Unfortunately, because of lights on the streets and just the footage is really good and I'll put up pictures on the website um, as well as in the Patreon for you to look at. Unfortunately, even though the footage is really good, um, it can't be perfect and we just can't see the licence plates. Days later... um, Liz's friends and families had a vigil at her home in the driveway where she was gunned down um, and they all bought their Star Wars memorabilia and their lightsabers. It's all very um, Big Bang Theory to me. Um, and they lifted their lit life, light, lightsabers in the air in Liz's honour. Her dad, Bob, said, quote, my daughter Liz spent her life healing and spreading love and cheer to all of those around her, even total strangers, unquote. Now, if you're looking for much of an update um, in what's happened since Liz's murder, I can't give you that because there's been very little movement. They have no leads. That's why they're now turning to idiots like me to talk about it. Um, but by the 6th of February uh, 2019, Crime Stoppers Houston had announced a reward of $20,000 for information leading to the arrest and conviction of the person responsible and since then, it's gone up to 50000 which it currently stands at. Obviously, people would start to look at Sergio, the husband, but there's a number of reasons, I think, that the police kind of haven't arrested him or 
they haven't said they've ruled him out. They've never named actual people they say as, as persons of interest or suspects. There's no one. Um, but I can understand why people would look at him for a number of reasons. I do think people uh, need to be grounded in a little bit of reality when it comes to certain things which we'll get into. Um, but in July 2020, Sergio told People magazine, quote, we were normal good people. This could happen to anybody if it can happen to us. We just want help from the world and the community to find out why someone would do something like this. It goes against nature for this to happen to such a good person, unquote. Now, when Liz died, um, I don't read anything into it, but people who seem to like overreact especially on YouTube, I find, um, had issue with it. He he posted like, you know, uh, in memorial to her and said, I, um, I will never forget you. And people had issues with that. I mean, what do you want them to say? <laughs> uh, yeah, like, I just don't, yeah. Um, but basically... I'll, I'll give you some information about Sergio in a little bit that, yes, it can be construed as strange um, for some people. So at one point the police said that they had a warrant out for information, but they never released any information on what that was. But a lot of people who were commenting on different YouTubes said that they believed it was for geofencing, which basically means the police are between a rock and a hard place because from my understanding, geofencing is when you basically do like a dragnet of every phone that was in an area at the time, so the Tomball area, and you narrow it down um, one by one. It's essentially in lieu of genetics because it seems that there's no DNA left behind because... I don't see how there could have been this person didn't touch Liz, nothing. They just bang, 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 gone. Um, and the police at one point said they were talking to a person of interest in Miami, Florida, and um, nothing eventuated with that as well. That was until January 2021 when the police released another video. And I don't understand why it took them two years to do this. I think maybe they were trying to clear it up, the audio a bit. Anyway, this video is really important and I've called it footage two. And I think this is the part where the community can actually help. So this was the ring doorbell from the doorway alcove area of Liz and Sergio's front door on the morning of Liz's murder. You cannot see anyone in the camera shot. Liz is over out of camera shot on the left with the person. So we have the neighbour's footage across the road captures the actual act and the person walking up to them. But Liz's one could potentially have captured audio. Now, I will give you a warning now before you go and watch it, as did Kendall Ray. When Kendall said it's disturbing, I thought, oh, everyone says that, but it's not. I'm just going to go and watch it. The audio that Kendall played for some reason was super distorted and there is a clearer one which I've linked in the episode notes. Otherwise, you'll have to go and find it and it's titled something like Harris County Sheriff's Release New Footage. It's when you YouTube Liz Barraza's name. So I'm giving you warning because this recording, you don't understand a lot of what's being said. 
most people can agree on two words that are probably confirmed in this video. The rest is up for interpretation because they're at a distance from the ring camera and the ring camera isn't designed to pick up audio. It's designed to pick up video. Also, according to a couple of people who commented on Kendall's video, Lisa's TV was running on the inside as well. So it was causing distortion on top of that. Um, and I'll go through... I've kind of put together a list of what people think they hear and what I think I hear in theories, which will be later on. Again, on this footage, I do not hear a dog barking. It was probably in the back of the house in the backyard. I don't know, but you would think you would start hearing that, but you don't. But what I will tell you is you barely hear any sound. And on that particular video that I just named for you at around the one thirty mark, you hear the gunshots and they're so jarring and so loud. I almost like fell off my bed. Um, I had to gear myself up all day today to listen to it again because you hear Liz scream and then you hear it go silent. But I think what's important most of all in that is the muffled talking at the start of maybe 10 seconds. You see the headlights of the car cast over as Liz is clearly setting up. Then the person clearly walks up the driveway. You can't see this. It's all completely audio. My ears are not the greatest. My They're better than my eyes. I don't have ringing in my ears, thank God. My mum, who I sent it to, she couldn't hear anything because she's got tinnitus. I personally can only hear, I think, two things. And that's, I'm not very good at hearing things on recordings like that, where it amazes me that people can hear what they can hear because I couldn't hear anything. Um, some people hear a woman, some people hear a man. You can hear Liz, but the other person being a woman or a man, we're not sure. Some people think it's a voice distorter that the person is using on top of being in a costume, which is fucking terrifying. And then some people can only hear the background noise, which is interference. And then some other people think that they can hear a neighbour's um, ring doorbell interfering with Liz's ring doorbell, which is an interesting thing, uh, which I'll get into in theories because Kendall touches on it but doesn't say why this person thinks they hear this and then someone explained it and we'll get into all that. Now, before you go and watch it, again, do not, with pets around um, or young children, my cats flipped out and it took them like two hours to calm down. You can imagine just how jarring just that was for Liz and for the people on the street. Like I, I had to gear myself up today. Then I put my headphones on to hear it properly tonight. And my gut was like gearing up for those gunshots. And I still almost jumped out of my skin. Um, but it's Liz's screaming. It's just prim primal and horrible. Uh, but the issue is you'll need headphones to hear the talking, but then you'll blow your ears out with the gunshots. So on that particular video on YouTube, it, the gunshots are around the 130 mark if you want to turn down the volume. Uh, but what's said on this tape is basically the clincher of the case. If you believe that whatever this person said holds any weight towards pointing to who they are. And the issue is what's said isn't clear. Firstly, it's safe to say this person knew the couple's rough routine. They knew their address. They knew that Sergio left at a certain time for work 
they knew to where to camp out to watch Sergio go by. Uh, even removing the garage sale factor because it wasn't advertised and no one really knew about it. If Liz was the target, this person would know roughly Sergio probably leaves at the same time every day as the tradesman. So even if they weren't expecting as they walked up that driveway to see her on the front lawn setting up a garage sale, they would have expected her to answer her door if they knocked because she'd probably be getting up, making coffee, getting ready for the day inside. It probably kind of threw them a bit seeing her on the front lawn. But then again, the front lawn actually works in their favor better because if they'd had to knock on her door they would have had their face directly in the in her ring doorbell camera and would the killer risk that they'd have their face you know right there for everyone to see so did this person know that she was running a garage sale that's one question to me they couldn't have because the day before they were seen casing out the joint before Liz and Sergio even put up garage sale signs and they only decided shortly before that that they were going to hold it. So either way, they saw Sergio leave. They probably figured out the routine. They'd probably sussed it out for some time um, and that's why they turned up at that time, knew exactly where to park, to see Sergio leave and then to head over. Who knows, maybe Liz like kissed Sergio goodbye at the door every day so they knew that she would be up. Now, before I get into theories, I want to add one thing that could change your mind about this case. It may, it may not, but most people in comments have issue with it, which I do understand. Uh, but I'm not sure if I do. So people really zone in on it and I just want you to kind of take it on board, but don't, don't stew on it too long until I wrap up this case. Sergio started dating in 2020. Now, a lot of people in the comments, people were there correcting people because people were writing that he started dating two months after Liz was murdered and people were like, can you get the facts right so that you're not just spreading in like disinformation everywhere you go? People need to start listening a bit better because Kendall very clearly said the dates but people are hearing things that they want to hear so Sergio started dating the following year in around mid 2020 and he actually got married in late 2021 to a new woman and I'm not going to name her because I don't feel comfortable doing that they actually got engaged in March 2021 so around two years after just over two years after Liz died now I want you to know that this is a young man. Some people have issues with it, but we're talking about a guy who is an age where he's been with this girl for a very long time and grief does crazy things to people. People rebound. Not everyone can be Liam Neeson, never moving on from Natasha Richardson and talking about her all the time and it's a great love story and all that. Some people are codependent. They cannot be alone. Um... Even if their spouse doesn't die and they just break up with someone, we all know them. They're immediately with someone else. Some men move on really fucking quickly. There's been a number of actors whose wives have died who have moved on really quickly. We had a very famous Australian um, comedian here years ago whose wife died tragically. She was a public figure. Everyone was very grief-stricken. And when he found happiness very quickly after and he's still with that woman, they had a family and this was this was like 20 years ago, people held resentment against him for years because he moved on. Now, 
it shocks people and it kind of goes against nature because we're meant to be grieving animals, but it's not the 1800s where Queen Victoria for five years had to wear black after her husband died. Grief can be very confusing. Um, and if someone comes along in that time, maybe you transfer your feelings onto that person. That's just my interpretation of it. In the videos after Liz's death, I myself personally see real grief in Sergio's face. And this is coming from a woman. I usually just think the husband did it and usually they did. Um, I can also see real joy in his photos with Liz at his wedding at, with the new house. They look so happy and he looks like a gentle man. This isn't a Chris Watts empty dead-eyed stare or you know, Michael Peterson or something like this. And this isn't like Missy Beaver's husband to me who has always rubbed me the wrong way. It's different, but people are allowed to be happy. And I just want to say that, but you are entitled to think that it's weird. That's up to you. I also just want to say I, he clearly comes from a Hispanic family and they very much are about a tight family unit. And I think that's another thing that people who are judging don't understand or think about that family and kids and things like that you know maybe he has faith that helps him through we don't know but when he said in his statement that he'd never forget her people jumped on that and there's nothing wrong with that terminology at all but then when I was going through uh, a few comments on Kendall Ray's video which had 5,000 comments and counting so far and I've read the vast majority of them and uh, picked out a few that I want to read to you. I found some really interesting information. Um, and this one comes from someone who's used the name is Tear Talks. And I'm sure I can quote them because they've put it out there. Um, it's got like 150 likes on it. And I just want to read it to you. Quote, I was reading the comments on the doorbell footage video and someone who was making a group and doing their own investigation said that Sergio is now remarried to a woman named Beep, who had an incredibly who has an incredible similarity to the person in the shooting footage. The commenter also went the extra mile to contact the person's ex and they all say that she has mental disorders with obsession and that they wouldn't doubt she would go to the lengths to kill someone who would be in her way. I think this is something to look into at least, unquote. Now, I haven't named the person because as far as I can tell, this is just hearsay um, at this time. Uh, he moved on very quickly, remarried this woman. It doesn't appear that they have kids yet. They've only been married a short time. I will say that it's very, very broad to say she has an incredible similarity. I've looked up this girl. Uh, probably nine out of ten women walking down the street uh, could look like the person in the shooting footage. So I can't buy that. Um, I also can't defend someone who is just ringing up random people because they're doing their own investigation. Uh, just don't do things like that. Uh, and also because this person hasn't named who was doing their own investigation, I'm not I'm not inclined to take it on board um, that what they're saying is true, but I'm just throwing it out there that this is what this person said when they contacted Beep's ex-boyfriend, um, that this woman was obsessive and things like that. Uh, now, that will play into theories, even if I hadn't read that. It kind of was in line with the main theory that I have. Uh, but now, because there's very little else to go on in terms of investigation, I'm going to go into theories and what people hear and what I hear, see and think.
so footage one I'm going to discuss first. This is the neighbor's CCTV taken from diagonally across the street. Um, and you can see Liz and the murderer in the top of the screen. Um, thankfully, it got Liz's driveway. At least we have this information um, with the street lights and things like that. But, I mean, it's clear in the sense that you can see they're having an, some sort of altercation and Liz at one point reels back when the person immediately clearly to me brandishes the gun when they reach her but they have to walk quite a long way up the driveway because the lawn in the driveway it's quite lengthy uh, so they kind of cross over and they're walking up and to me it's a very purposeful stride to me it's very feminine um, this person is either walks like a woman or an effeminate man. Uh, and I'm not offending anyone by saying that because they are my crew. Uh, they are most of my close friends, um, a, a gay man. Um, and I generally know how they walk. Uh, and most of them have that similar kind of, uh, I just, I just know the, the type of walk. And that was the first thought that occurred to me even before a woman. Um, but this person clearly walks like a woman or an effeminate man but the stride that they're walking to me is very purposeful, but it's almost like when a woman is of a slight build, like whoever this person is, and they're not of a big height because they're kind of on par with Liz, it's kind of a woman who's a smaller build, but when they want to intimidate you, they kind of stride like and kind of stand up straight. You know what I mean? Basic psychology of standing up straight and being purposeful. Uh, at one point, they kind of almost start running up the driveway, but then kind of stride uh, to me. It's Initially, I thought it was like quick little close steps at the first part as they cross the lawn and then they start striding. Um, now, then as one other person in the comments points out, um, once they've had this altercation and they run away, they don't really run like a woman. They stride more like a man before running, breaking into like kind of a run um, basically to get back to the car, which is not in the line of footage one, you can't see them get in the car. Um, so basically it's very clear that this person is either in a costume or that's just how they dress. To me, it's a costume. Um, to most people, it's a costume. And to most people, it looks like a princess Leia costume, which is really terrifying. The sun hasn't even come up. You're setting up a garage sale and someone is coming up to you up the drive in a Princess Leia costume. Now, to someone like Liz, maybe that wouldn't be totally weird um, with her circles. To me, I would start screaming immediately. There's just something really scary about that. Now, switch that around and make that a man in a Princess Leia costume. Um, and that's terrifying. Now, some people see a long wig. I personally can't see that. And Princess Leia you know, part of the costume, obviously, is her little braid buns. She's not Leia without it. So maybe that didn't send off alarm bells. But as one person kind of, as people point out, when you combine this with what you can hear on footage too, which is the audio, which I'll get into, it's very clear that the first thing that Liz, said, Liz says, which is the only clear thing on the whole footage, is good morning. Now, Kendall Ray kind of talked about it like she didn't know who this person was because it's a very polite way of greeting someone. And then a lot of people commented what I was thinking, which was maybe they just, she just didn't, couldn't make out who they were in the dark. And as they got closer, 
she realised. But also, even if I just saw someone I kind of knew from around and I walked past them or they came up to me and said, oh, hi, how you been going? I'd, you know, I'd go, good morning, like being polite. It doesn't necessarily mean that you don't know them. Um, but that is one thing to keep in mind. Now, in the interaction, as they reach Liz, to me, it's very clear they immediately pull out the revolver. And the way that they're holding it to me is very strange, um, even like as someone who's never shot guns or anything. You're meant to have like a firm grip on it. Um, and it seems like it's very loose in the person's hand. Like when in a movie, when you see a, uh, a woman who's like, I'm not going to shoot you, like Sleeping with the Enemy or that one with Halle Berry, where they're kind of the gun's kind of shaking in their hand and they don't have a firm grip on it and you don't think they're going to kill the bad person, but then they do. So when Liz sees this gun, she immediately kind of reels back on the spot. And then there's six seconds or so of a confrontation where words are said back and forth, according to what you can hear, um, and you'll have to watch it. You probably already have. Um, and then bang, bang, Liz is on the ground. They stand over her, bang. So bang, bang, bang kill shot. The way it all pounds out, it can't really not be a targeted hit by someone who confronted Liz about something. Like I think police and her family all agree on that and, and I do too. Um, so this brings me to footage two, which was released two years after Liz's murder. The Brazzers ring doorbell footage and audio. The footage is inconsequential other than seeing the car drive past initially. But the one thing that people agree on in this footage which is eerily quiet at the start and then you hear Liz very clearly say good morning um, as the person walks up her drive. The rest of it is muffled up until around 1 minute 30 and then the gunshots ring out um, and you hear the car drive away again. So the good morning to me could be anything. To me, it's she didn't know who the person was because they were in this costume, but as they got closer, she realised. So it doesn't really mean a whole lot to me, the good morning. Um, it, it doesn't really mean anything, actually. Um, but what was said besides good morning and who's the other voice? Now, I myself cannot actually hear many words that other people can hear. But as someone commented on Kendall's video that I agree with, I can hear frequencies pretty well um, and I can hear frequencies in old films that really affect my brain and there's one in The Shining um, which I love but I don't know what it is and no one else can hear it and I know at different ages you can hear different frequencies and maybe because it's been maybe 10 years since I watched that movie um, or a bit less maybe I can't hear it anymore it's one of those kind of things but there's a constant buzzing in the background for me of The Shining and I don't know if it's like something Kubrick added in to mess with people, whether it's um, just the 1980 film quality or maybe it's my brain, but it really affects me to the point where I get like a, a headache from it and no one else can ever hear it. It's always made me feel like I'm going crazy. Um, so, But I can hear frequencies basically. So the other person's voice, I can't really make out what they say but I can hear the frequency. And as someone commented, it's not human. Um, and I'm sure that kind of scared you a little bit. <clears throat> it's not Darth Vader. We can rule that out. But what the person was basically saying is what I hear, that it's almost like a mechanical voice that's been distorted, which leads most people in the comments to presume that this was a person using a voice modifier. So to add 
a terrifying element to an already terrifying element of someone dressed up uh, in a costume. Add to that the fact they may have had a mask on or um, they're using a voice distorter on top of it while talking to Liz, which is really scary. Now, it could also just be someone's voice that's lower and I'm hearing it like that, but that's just, I don't know, that's just what I hear. Now, talking about the costume, that just reminded me. The other two things that I haven't seen people throw out but that the costume kind of looks like, other than the fact it could have just been someone in boots with a trench coat and, in fact, the boots aren't white and the trench isn't white, the footage is just bleached out with street lights and it looks white. That's what I was thinking. The other thing that occurred to me that it reminded me of, um, it looks like the person's wearing a skirt or something with it or a, a mini dress. And it reminded me of uh, my namesake from the 90s, uh, which I got heaps of shit for and was called this for ages, Felicity Shagwell from Austin Powers 2. Um, and it also reminded me of something else which I can't think of what it was at the time um it's weird it's really weird but basically it's up for interpretation if this is a voice modifier and I really want to know what you guys hear but firstly now that I've broken down kind of those two things about footage one and two before I talk about what people hear on that footage and throw around a few ideas that I've saved of comments I've seen which are really interesting I just want to read out a few comments from people on Kendall's video uh which thank you so much for sharing these people who write really lengthy comments that are really helpful. Um, I just think they're great and throwing ideas around. And so many people who had been involved with this 501st Division shared their stories. And I just want to read a few. There was just so many, I couldn't include them all. They're never ending and they're not just on Kendall's video. They're on uh, Reddit and many others. So <clears throat> someone called Nico commented, as a cosplayer myself, I want to say that this community can attract some people with a tendency to get obsessed with others involved, whether that be jealousy or a romantic or sexual type of obsession that could both lead to stalking. The fact that the killer seemed to be in cosplay makes me think it was someone who was fixated on Liz and had a one-sided obsession with her and wanted her dead. Someone with the username Mrs Masters commented, as someone who has been in the Star Wars cosplay community in Texas in the past, some groups can be hostile towards other groups for no reason, as well as some fans get a little too attached to people. I have been stalked at cons in the past. My friend almost got kidnapped from people who are complete strangers but think they know you because of the character you cosplay. Like, I love the geek community, but there is always people in any group or fandom that give it a bad name and those people can be scary, <clears throat> unquote. And that reminded me that comment of last podcast on the left does a really good two-parter on Mark Twitchell, who they call the Dexter Killer, and he was really into cosplay. Um, and he was very obsessive with the cosplay stuff. This person's called Captain Beatato on YouTube. Quote, I feel like it was jealousy. The cosplay fan community can be extremely toxic and I mean crazy if you really look into it. I'm not trying to demonise it but being someone who, who was part of it and knowing how mean and clicky it can be, it wouldn't be crazy to believe that she was targeted just for being the good person she is. If they never met her, it could be someone who has seen her. 
I feel the person it could be could be tied to the fan community because of her heavy involvement. The way they smoothly walked up is indication they knew her and whose house they were walking up to and they came as soon as Sergio left so they'd watch them for a while to know the schedule. If the cameras have any previous, I don't know if the cameras have any previous footage beforehand, but I would check to see for constants in the tapes, see if there is anyone or anything that keeps appearing, even online. It's a lot of work, but she was targeted, unquote. And finally, I saved this one from Jennifer E. Quote, the 501st does a lot of good work, but there are also a lot of problems. They have rules that make it very hard to call out people who are problematic. I was mentally and emotionally abused by a member who it turns out had done this in the past to other girls. One had even left the group because of it. As Nico said above, cosplayers can also be unstable. A couple of years ago, a guy set a girl's car on fire at a convention because she didn't want to date him. So there's a possibility there. This is so sad and I hope it gets solved, unquote. And that kind of answered my question for me, Jennifer's comment on why the group, if they're so close-knit and a member of theirs was murdered, why I don't see them trying to raise awareness for her murder. I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. I just find it strange. I would be, you know, once a week I'd be posting... This girl was a member of our group. She meant a lot to us. Please help us solve this. But there's been none of that. Just mad. Um, so I guess that brings us to theories. Um, and the first one, which I can kind of rule out and ask can the cops, is gang initiation. From everything I've read, a lot of the gang initiation stories that you read or th- urban legends that you read just aren't true anymore of them being sent out to kill a random person. And why would they use her and case her out um, in this little neighbourhood? Just, there's just no evidence for it. Um, the next one is mistaken identity, which I personally don't think so. I think this person knew exactly who she was. But I do think that the person was mistaken as to um, what they thought she'd done, what Liz had done. And I'll get into that in a minute. The next one is a targeted hit, which I think... a from what I can find, most people seem to believe that that's what this is. But then when you break that down, you've got to ask, why would someone target someone as low risk and lovely as Liz Brazza? Um, Was Sergio having an affair or had he had an affair in the past? Someone floated a psycho ex-girlfriend of his, but that's doubtful because he'd been with Liz for such a long time. Um, The other theory is that he himself organised it. But The reason that I'll kind of go into bat for Sergio isn't just a gut instinct, which is there. It's because he and Liz didn't have really many responsibilities beyond the house they'd bought. They had no kids. There's nothing to fight over besides money, which would be in the house. It doesn't seem like they had a whole lot of savings. So you'd split, you'd split the house and you'd move on. This really isn't a case where there's kids involved and a lot of jealousy or things like that, where you'd get your wife killed, especially not when you just bought a new house with them. You'd get out before that. (laughs) Um, But maybe the wife of a man, you know, that was obsessed with Liz, that could be an option, or a girl who's obsessed with Sergio, which is more what I'm likely to lead, lean towards, who wanted Liz out of the picture um, 
for whatever reason. It doesn't have to be personal. Um, but was it a woman from the cosplay community who was jealous of Liz and wanted Sergio? Was it someone at Liz's work, which doesn't seem to be the case. It seems to point more with the costume and everything else to the cosplay community. Um, was it a woman who thought Liz was on with her boyfriend or husband? Um, or was it a random person who pulled up on the scene and saw an opportunity, which we we can't really say that that's what it is because there was no robbery, nothing was taken, not even the money sitting right there. Um, they were spotted in the area casing the joint for days before at least. Um, so I guess we have to kind of when you narrow it down, it has to be a targeted hit. So let's get into what people hear on the Barraza's Ring audio when the car drives up, I don't hear it, but a lot of people hear as the car goes past, does the three-point turn and turns around, they can hear music blaring from the car. Now, I feel like I'm brain dead or going mad because I can't hear that, but I, I trust that it's there. People think that's really weird if that is the case, which I do too. Why would you draw attention to yourself so obviously by blaring music? Also, this person must be a sociopath because you have to turn down music to be able to properly see addresses. I'm pretty sure everyone agrees on that. Um, so that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's very ballsy, but maybe they left the car running and music blaring Um in order to drown out gunshots, which is very hard to do, especially if you've watched footage too that I've talked about. So the good morning from Liz seems undisputed for most. I personally am not sure if I even hear good morning, um, but many people after the good morning hear it's 10 to 7, which makes sense as that's what the time was. So I kind of do trust that. And that indicates that someone asked her either what time it was or they said, are you open yet? And she said, oh, maybe she said, oh, I'm starting at seven. It's only 10 to seven. And you just can't hear the first part of that. The first time I listened to it, I thought I heard her say it's $23 um, instead of it's 10 to seven. Like what's the price of that? Other people in the video hear the words don't hurt me. That's very common for people to hear. And I've gone through thousands of comments to collate the most common things that people hear. Others, one person, one or two people wrote that they heard the vo the other voice say, remember me or remember me, bitch. I clearly, the only other thing other than good morning I hear is fuck you. And I don't know if I'm just primed to hear that everywhere. <laughs> um, many people clearly hear Liz ask, so you're going to kill me to the person. And that's thousands of people say that. And also one of the most common things people hear is, please don't kill me. Some other people hear the other voice say, just say it or say it or I'll kill you. And then a lot of people hear Liz say, it's not true, it's not true. As if someone's asking if it's true, something is true, like are you having it on with this person or whatever, uh, while others hear that as it's true, it's true. Another person heard you were there from the other voice um, and many people hear the word truth within it. Two people heard the other person use the word camera or give me the camera. One heard the other person say, you were right, I'm sorry and I'm going to miss you and then 
they shot her. And then one person hears the other person clearly say my son within what they're saying, but then no one else could hear that. It's kind of like those EVP machines when they're like, oh, I heard the ghost say River Phoenix, you know, is here and he wants to talk to you. I can never hear what they're supposed to be hearing on those things. But honestly, putting all that together, I realised that if you take the most common things that people hear and put together all of those, the sum of it kind of paints a picture if you're into speculation like I'm about to get into. The person clearly confronts Liz on something which we cannot hear the part of what they're confronting her on. Liz denies it. They tell her, tell me the truth. And then they tell her if she doesn't tell them the truth that they're going to kill her otherwise, which I think either way they were going to. Liz doesn't admit this. And as a reaction to this, the person rage-filled shoots Liz dead. Whether or not they intended to go there just to scare her or to shoot her, I don't know. But that's the picture that it paints for me. The entire interaction didn't have to even happen. They could have just walked up and shot her. The interaction has to serve a purpose for the person talking to Liz. And that means they're kind of building up the courage inside to shoot her dead, to do what they've been planning to do for a while, um, to have her admit something so that that person feels warranted in what they're about to do. But because Liz wouldn't admit it, whatever that is, they acted out of complete rage and retaliation for her not caving to their demand. And <laughs> it's going to upset some people. But because I'm a woman, I've known women my whole life, went to an all-girls school, been friends with them my whole life, and known many histrionic women, including myself. This feels to me like a woman up all night spiralling over her relationship kind of situation. And... I know because I've been there before, but I've never gone and killed someone as retaliation. And I, I'm not really big on confronting women in that situation, although I had a friend that did that um, and it didn't go very well. Both lived, but um, take it out on the man, ladies, if there's an issue. Um, but then I found this comment from someone on YouTube called Lola Yatta. And basically in Kendall's video, one of the things that Kendall says that she was told that people hear is someone's going to kill your neighbour. Now, I couldn't find anyone saying that they could hear that. So I found that really interesting and I wondered where Kendall got it from. But someone commented called Lola Yada on that video and they wrote this, quote, that audio is really interesting. Someone pointed out that at the beginning of the audio, around 57 minutes, uh, 57 seconds in, it sounds like someone says someone's going to kill your neighbour before the whole thing takes place. Is it possible for doorbell camera audios to interfere with someone else's camera in the neighbourhood? Unquote. And I was like, oh, my like head almost exploded because I couldn't get out of my head why Kendall would add that in and then no one else was hearing it as far as I could tell from the comments. So that's why I asked if ring doorbells can interfere with each other. And does that mean that someone within the neighborhood was watching it happen? Because one of the older ducks who's a neighbor said she witnessed it on, um, on ring doorbell. So does that mean someone else did who's in the neighborhood? Like they were watching it or just happened to be in the kitchen, getting a cup of coffee and saw it, this person brandishing a thing? Like, could we rule out that that came from someone else? I just find that really interesting. 
Now, I personally believe that this is a woman. I have a few reasons for this. The walk, the use of what is clearly like, to me at least, a voice modifier or a mechanical kind of sounding voice. Um, there's going to be someone who says, oh, the person probably had throat cancer and they're talking through one of those things. Like, um, there's always going to be someone who's going to have another idea. But like, the other thing that occurred to me when I was thinking about this today was that I read once and it was in a, a book about Eileen Wernos actually. And Eileen Wernos killed men, obviously, down in Florida before they got her and executed her. But they did studies into female killers and they found that when women shoot men dead or shoot people dead, uh, men and women, they generally aim for the body and they generally shoot them in the chest. And that's like a natural instinct where they go for the bigger body part. Men generally go immediately for the head. And this occurred to me because the first three shots for Liz went into her chest. And I just thought that kind of occurred to me uh, that, does that point to it being a woman? The fact that studies show that women overwhelmingly when they shoot someone go for the chest and men go for the head. Um, I'm not sure. It also just very much sounds like a jealous woman move to me to turn up at that time to case out the place. Um, people can get really crazy uh, with breakups, with suspicion, with betrayal, um, even if nothing was going on with Liz even just for the wrong person, the tiniest little kind of glimmer of like a friendship with someone that was totally platonic could push someone over the edge, man or woman. And women can be very spiteful and very jealous. Um, I do believe what happened here was similar to what happened in the Missy Beavers case in the fact that they haven't solved that yet. But I do believe that that person in that cop costume was a woman Um Although a lot of people think, you know, it's a man, it's open for interpretation. But at its core, my gut is that what happened in both is a woman was jealous. And I don't know why, but I will always come back to that with the Missy Beavers case. They, The cops, I don't think, even have this person on the radar, whoever it was, because you know, you can harbour this deep-seated resentment for a very long time. And then I thought maybe that case even inspired this person because I'm pretty sure the Missy Beavers case happened before this one. A lot of people compared it to the Christina Grimmy case in that a psychotic fan just came up and gunned her down. But I don't know about that in relation to Liz Brazza. I don't know if it's a fan or something like that. I feel like this was more personal it was a perceived threat that Liz, um, like that they felt that, you know, Liz was doing something that she actually wasn't, but they just built it up in their head that she was and nothing she could have said would have talked them out of it. Um, now, I don't in my gut believe Sergio had anything to do with it. Maybe one day I'll be doing an episode and they've arrested him. Who knows? Um, and I kind of have a funny feeling that he doesn't even how will I phrase this? I don't in my gut believe Sergio had a direct involvement in this or he doesn't know that he had a direct involvement in it. And I'm kind of going back to what that user wrote about him moving on and the new woman earlier. And I only read that 
comment way after I kind of composed this in my head. What if a woman was really obsessed with him, you know, but seemingly just a friend, according to everyone else. So there's no need to kind of tell anyone because it just didn't stand out to you that it was anything more than a platonic friendship like he probably had with a lot of people at work or within this squadron thing. Who knows? I doubt it's work because he's a tradesman and they're generally men. Uh, It could be someone he worked for and did work for. Who knows? But there's no reason to kill Liz they didn't have really responsibilities besides the house. It's not a big deal. Um, there's no kids involved. Second, even the dumbest person in the world would know that leaving for work and having their quote-unquote hitman turn up three minutes later is dumb as because it just looks like you went around the corner, changed clothes, and you're the killer. You'd organise it for when you're at work with a proper firm alibi with other people or at a customer's place. It just makes zero sense. Now, I don't know, like, I don't really know how to put it, really, other than the fact that I think that a woman thought that Liz being out of the picture would suit her. That's the only way I can put it. And that I don't buy whatever was said in the interaction. It's probably all bullshit. This person was looking for Liz to upset them so they'd have the courage to shoot her. And she did because she denied whatever they were saying. It's either that or it's someone who thought that Liz was on with their significant other. And that's why Liz was denying it and saying it's not true. It's not true. And that's the only thing that I can kind of come to the conclusion of. This is why I really want you guys to tell me what you hear and what you think and what you see on that. Um, I really just don't think that Sergio would have her killed when they only bought the house a short time before. You wouldn't buy a house with someone if the seeds of discontent were there. People can just move on. People, you know, get hurt and stuff like that. But, you know, it happens. Um, And that's just what I see. The reward for information leading to the arrest of the perpetrator who killed Liz Braza is now $50,000. It was increased uh, thanks to... uh, basically the Make-A-Wish Foundation and the Peter Mayhew Foundation. Now, Peter Mayhew was famous for playing Chewbacca in the Star Wars films, but he also did a lot of, like, philanthropic work. He only died a few months after Liz, actually, albeit he was a lot older, but um, he actually heard about you know, Liz's case. And he'd done a lot of work with the 501st, a lot of volunteer work. And when he heard about it, um, you know, they made an endowment in Liz's memory. The reward is now $50,000. It's being offered by Crime Stoppers in conjunction with the Harris County Sheriff's Department. The Harris County District Attorney, Kim Ogg, said in January, quote, unsolved cases are the unfinished business of law enforcement. The detectives you see who are on this case will never forget Liz and they will not not stop until they complete the case, unquote. If you have information leading to who this animal is, contact Crime Stoppers Houston directly. Tipsters must contact Crime Stoppers directly to remain anonymous and to be considered for a cash payment by calling 713-222-TIPS, which is 713-222-8477. You can also submit an online tip at www.crime-stoppers.org, which will take you to the Houston Crime Stoppers page or through the Crime Stoppers mobile app.
Bob, um, whose beloved daughter Liz was killed, said this year, here we are three years doggedly engaged in this fight for justice for a young woman who was taken from all of us, unquote. Now, to wrap up, I don't know if police have tracked the cars in that area. That's a question that a lot of people seem to pose. It seems like it would be relatively easy to track down people in that area who have that kind of car, but maybe it's a really common car when you open it up to the greater Houston metropolitan area that changes a lot of things and there'd be a lot of them. But someone commented that there seemed to be... um, boxes or barrels or something in the back tray so maybe that could narrow it down for someone but if you go watch that footage tell me if you see something different someone also posited which I think is a really good idea that the Houston Police Department should bring in a cosplay expert and I know that sounds really dumb but I think that would be really helpful you can't expect these cops to understand the inner workings of this very kind of intricate uh, fandom world and if you brought in like a cosplay expert who didn't have a dog in the fight was completely objective but knew about these different organizations and not not could infiltrate them but could kind of give police a bit of an overview of how they operate and how they can be quite toxic um, maybe it will give them a bit of an idea of where to go from now because it's it seems cold. I also, lastly, as much as I, in my gut, I don't feel like Sergio is a part of this, at least as far as he knows. Um, he may have known a woman that he doesn't know was involved. He may have known a man that he's never suspected but was involved. I don't know if it's a man or a woman. But... I will say, looking at his Facebook, um, which is pretty private, it's pretty locked down, um, I couldn't find the wife's. It used to be up and then I tried to find it and I just couldn't. Um, I'm not going to judge how people react uh, to their spouse dying, um, but it's been three years only and um, a lot of people I, I notice because I'm in a lot of missing persons groups and things, um, specific missing persons who I have like a pet interest in and their cover photo on Facebook is, you know, a picture of that person and information on who to call or their profile picture is. Now I understand Sergio's moved on with his life and things like that. And I get all of that, but nowhere do I see that he ever had a cover photo that was Liz and the Crime Stoppers number, anything like that. Um, his profile picture is just him smiling um, and it's a relatively new one. It was put up recently. Um, like, I mean, life seems to be going on for him and he's a young man, I understand that. Um, but there's there doesn't seem... Maybe he just wants to compartmentalise it and put it away because it's too painful. I don't know, but I don't think it should fall on Liz's elderly parents to be just doing this alone with her family um, and a couple of Liz's close friends. I just hope she's not forgotten. As he said in his statement, I won't forget you. Um, And I don't know if there would be jealousy involved with a new wife not wanting her husband to raise awareness. I, I don't know what goes on. I don't know this woman who he married. Uh, but the average woman wouldn't have an issue <laughs> with with that, um, especially if it's unsolved. This woman serves no per- threat to you. She's dead. 
um, and her killer is out there. So I just I just find that strange. That's all. And I have a bit of a moral issue with that. Doesn't mean anything. Um, everyone's different. But I will put up Liz's episode page at unknownpassagepodcast.com. You can become a patron, links off the website, but also you can just search on the Patreon app for Unknown Passage Podcast. Um, this is your warning. You've got until May 31st. I've said it for almost two months now um, to if you – everyone gets a shout-out no matter what tier you come on board with for Patreon, but only after May 31st, 2022, only $5 and over a month get a location request. Um, so anyone who comes on board before that on any tier can have a location request, but after that it's only five US dollars and equivalent over a month. Um, that's pretty much it. Leave a rating or review if you like the show, as well as on Spotify. Um, join the community feature on Spotify if you listen and answer the question that I've posed with your ideas. Um Let's see, you know, if we can get Liz's name out there <laughs> with my very small audience compared to Kendall's, but um yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Bye.